Right. Good morning to all in the house here and in the homes. The Lord bless you. Come, let us worship the Lord today. Let's open this with prayer. God, you will declare you are a great God who is greatly to be praised, to be feared above all gods, Lord. We thank you that we do not worship a worthless idol, but the Lord himself who made heaven. And you are full of splendor and majesty. Strength and beauty are in your house, Lord. You call all the families of the earth to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to His name. This is what we want to do today, Lord. We ask you to help us to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord and to praise and to worship Him. Uh, as we are in uh, still in this resurrection month, this morning I want to point you through the songs that we are going to sing. I want to point you to our risen Lord, the victorious one, the one that has risen from the dead. I know we celebrated Easter Sunday three weeks ago, and I was uh, following the service from KL, and I couldn't agree uh, more with uh, our brother Mark when he was leading us in all those songs about our risen Christ. And church, and when he sang the song, Jesus Christ is risen today, I say aloud, Amen. And I think we as Christians, we must believe and continue to believe that Jesus Christ uh, is not only a, a reason on, on Easter Sunday, but every day, He is our risen Lord and we can experience Him, His reality and and. and to experience the living Christ in our life every day. And we, this morning, I want to encourage you to celebrate the risen Lord together with me and to celebrate the victory that He has given to us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Come, shall we all stand as we sing this song? Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate His victory. Your death 
has brought us life. His spirit in us, amen. His spirit in us release us from our fear. And the way to keep us open with both the sweet and And in his presence, our problems your freedom. It was your freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to your God's works so God the work that you have done is finished and is complete and today we can enjoy his victory his resurrection and his salvation
the glory, Lord. Give you the praise, God. Dear Lord, truly this morning, we are grateful and we are thankful for the sacrifice and the work of the cross that uh, you have done. And that that has opened the way you have provided us salvation. You have provided us redemption. And Lord, you have risen from the dead. And because Lord, you have risen from the dead, our faith is not in vain. Hallelujah. We are not to be the people to be most pitied. But we are, because you are alive and you are risen from the dead, we are people blessed, blessed with salvation, blessed with redemption, blessed, Lord, with that relationship with you, reconciliation with you, and to come into your presence. When we thank you, Lord, through your resurrection, we thank you that, Lord, you have given us the victory. Victory over sin, victory over self, and victory over the evil one. So this morning as we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate the risen Lord, we, your church, we want to enforce that victory that, Lord, you have given to us. And that, Lord, we will continue to enjoy the victory that you have given to us. We will stand fast in the liberty and in the victory that you have given to us and no more to be entangled with bondage or slavery, O oh God. So this morning, as we worship and as we believe you, we pray that, Lord, you strengthen us even with the songs that we sing.
the name, the name that is above every other name. Church, I, I believe with all my heart. The reason and the purpose God bring us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light is because He's one thing. He's one thing to cover us under the shadow of His wings. He's one thing to cultivate that personal relationship with every one of us. He went through the cross for this primary purpose that is to bring redemption to each and every one of us. So I invite you as we have sung of His greatness and the glory of His name and the works that He has done. I invite you at this time, just respond to Him through these songs that Lord, we will come under Your wings. We will always come into Your presence and we will always be still in all things. We will always be still and recognize that You are still our Lord. You are still our Saviour. And you are still our Redeemer. And you will continue to save us. You will continue to redeem us. And you will continue to deliver us day by day as we come into your presence.
our soul. If I rest my soul, it's in Christ. I'm in your presence, Lord. I'm in your presence, Lord. 
of my salvation. Church, lift up your voice to him. Lift up your voice to your Savior. Oh, hallelujah. And it is very true, Lord, whenever we come into your presence, by your spirit, Lord, you strengthen us within our inner man. Lord, you are always asking us to come before you, to come into your presence because your whole purpose is wanting to strengthen us, wanting to love us, wanting to even uh, comfort each one of us. And Lord, there are even some you are wanting to touch and heal, touch and make whole whatever sickness or difficulty physically we are going through, you are wanting to help. You are wanting to pour forth your grace. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. Because of what you have done on the cross, the way is always open. The veil has been torn and we can have access into your presence anytime, any moment, Lord. We can approach your throne of grace anytime. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And even, Lord, this short time of singing that we have in the church, Lord, I, I sense your presence is here, even wanting to, to, to reach out to us and, and, and minister to us by your Spirit. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you never fail. You never fail to come to us. Whenever, Lord, we approach you and we come to you. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Church, I, I, let us just lift up our hands to him. Just receive from him. Receive his grace. Receive his presence. All these songs that we have sung, let it not be in vain. Because all that we have sung about, about him, it is true. It is true. The finished work on the cross is true. He is the reason Lord. He is the reason Christ. And He's wanting to be Emmanuel God to you. He's always wanting to be with you. Never for a moment. You know, sometimes you may be alone. Doesn't matter. You may be alone, but you, 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 you can know and you... You must understand and know that His presence is always with you. Hallelujah. Just receive. Receive from Him. I will be still. Know you are my God. I will be still. Know you. 
You may be seated at this time. Continue to be in prayer. Lord, we say with the fullness of understanding and with the fullness of our heart, Lord, we say, like Thomas say, Lord, my Lord and my God, we embrace all that you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning again to all in the church and at your homes, okay? I'd like to introduce Pastor Ellen and his wife, Lai Fong. Would you stand and we all give you a very warm welcome. They are from the church in Klang and he will be speaking to us afterwards. Um, Pastor Ellen has very good sheep. They follow him where he goes. So would the contingent from Klang stand and we give you a warm welcome. Okay. Right. Pastor Ellen uh, has been in the ministry for more than 40 years. And uh, is Irene here this morning? No, right? Yeah, no. Uh, your daughter is married to Sebastian T. Son. Yeah, where are they? Ah, Irene is there. That's their daughter. The husband is Sebastian T. And their newborn son is Oliver. All of them are welcome. Pastor Ellen is the senior pastor of the Klang Assembly. The church started about 26, 27 years ago. Something like that. Lah, huh? Never mind. Don't, don't quibble over the months, okay? <laughs> Today, the church is a thriving and vibrant one. And they impact their community in many ways, in very significant ways. And uh, it's been a joy for my wife and I to have known their friendship. So, would you welcome Pastor Ellen to share the word? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, church. Uh, golfers don't need excuses uh, to come. So, when they found out that I'm coming, oh, it's another place to play golf in Malacca. So, they're all here. Uh, uh, is, is don't you know perspective is very important uh, you know father mosquito was talking to baby mosquito and said how was your first flight and the baby mosquito said wow it was good dad because everywhere I fly near to people they were up clapping for me then the father mosquito said actually they are not clapping for you they are trying to kill you and uh, it's important perspective. So this morning, I hope your applause uh, is sincere. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they say that uh, when you applause before the speakers speak, it's an act of faith. And then halfway through, when you keep applauding, is an act of hope. And after he has finished, you keep on applauding. Then it's an act of charity. So I, I hope you will be consistent. This morning is my joy to be with you here. I've heard about Gateway a long, long time ago. 
my wife and I, we were serving after seminary. We were in Kota Baru, and uh, we came across a lettering church there by the pastor C. Hing. I don't know whether that rings a bell. And uh, that's where our first contact with lettering people. Uh, and uh, since then, uh, we have heard so much about Gateway, and we thank the Lord for the good work here. I have good friends in Malacca. Please don't let them know that I'm here. Pastor Philip Sung is a good friend. Pastor Joanne is also a good friend, but uh, never mind. I came through the back door. Uh, so good to see you this morning. Let me, I, I was really debating which message to preach. Uh, I just want to preach the right one, the one that the Lord has laid upon my heart, and, and that is facing the unknown. And I think this pandemic, if at all, uh, serves as a lesson to many of us. Actually, about three years ago, three years ago, March 18, I remember very, very vividly, 2020. Why it was so clear in my mind is because my mum, at the age of 85, passed away on March 17. And uh, next day, there was total lockdown in Malaysia. April, I mean March 18, and as a funeral parlor, nobody knows what to do because the, the uh, SOP was not clear. And so it was from my house, the body was taken, uh, to uh, the, the funeral parlor, and then they, they embalmed the body, and then the next day were brought to the Christian cemetery, and we had a, a, just a very short service, a family gathered together, and we buried her. That was March 18, 2020. And this pandemic, really, I mean, actually, thank God, you know, because we are the only generation that ever live and experience a global pandemic. No other generation has seen that, where there's a total lockdown, where streets are empty, airports are empty, cities are empty, and we are told to stay at home. Right? And we have never seen anything like that. And yet, out of this event, three years later, because on March 18, last month, I was on, I'm quite active in Facebook. I was waiting to see anybody will comment anything. And out of my thousands of friends, only one remember March 18, the day the world locked down. You see, we, we have very short-term memory. We forget easily. Three years have come and gone. We forget. It's life as usual. But this morning, let me leave this uh, message with you and is entitled, The Other Side. Everybody say, The Other Side. It's not an inspiration I got from Adele, hello from The Other Side, uh, but it is a message that came across where Jesus told the disciple, can I have the first slide? Jesus told the disciple, is it working? Oh, yeah. Jesus told the disciple, let us go over to the other side. Now, actually in the Mark Gospel, there are four crossings, if you have time to look at it. Four crossings to the region of the Gadarene, Bethesda, Decapolis, and again Bethesda. There are four times Jesus went over to the other side. 
Let me try to illustrate this in the form of a map. Uh, for those of us who have been to Israel, you will know that this site is the Jewish site where you find Galilee. In fact, most of Jesus' ministry was spent in Upper Galilee where Capernaum, he called the disciple Andrew, Peter, James and John on this site. It is towards the end of his three years he went down to Jerusalem to face the cross. So most of the miracles that Jesus did that we read about in the gospel happened on this other side, all right? And there were occasions, in fact, four times where he instructed the disciple to cross over to this side. Now, this side is a very dangerous side. This side is the Gentile side. This side is where they read pigs. This side is the side where 2,000 pigs... Uh, how many of you read about it in Mark chapter 5? You know, uh, we have an expression that say, you know, when pigs fly. Uh, this site was a site when the pigs really flew, 2,000 of them, off the cliff and then drowned. All right? And, and so this site is a dangerous site. And this site is sometimes the site that we are fearful to cross because it is unknown. People over this site speak different language, have different culture, they eat different things, and that's why when Jesus crossed over to this site, you'll find that people there rare pigs. People there speak different language. People there experience different things. And yet, in spite of all that, it is so important to go to the other side because much of Jesus' miracle happened on this side as well. Can someone say amen? You see, there are certain things that we can only experience on the other side. And so, the gospel account agreed that Jesus came in a boat on the eastern side of Galilee to the country where the people live. And taking the text from Mark chapter 4, we read, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. And the first thing that you and I will experience when we want to go to the other side is the storm. Now, just because the Lord said, let us go over to the other side, does not guarantee there is no storm. Just because the Lord is with us in the boat, does not guarantee there is no storm either. You know, sometimes we get the idea, depending on uh, what message we hear, it's very dangerous. You say, you know, you come to the Lord and then your life will be fine. If you believe in Jesus Christ, God will bless you. You know, if you come to this site of Christianity, everything will turn out well. Uh, not quite accurate because sometimes we do experience storm. Sometimes we do encounter things that challenge us. And so, when we begin to witness to people, uh, don't tell them life will be easy because life with Jesus will have their fair share of storm. And so, the first thing that you and I will encounter if we want to obey the Lord is storm. Now, the disciples were not prepared. Out of the 12, at least two to three of them were experienced fishermen, Peter, James, and probably John. They were experienced fishermen. And so they're quite used to storm. But that storm was so huge that they, they, did not, they were not able to contain it. And 
the funny thing is, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote about the same account. And Matthew said, Lord, Matthew 8, if you want to read that, Matthew 8, Lord, save us! We are perishing! Now, how many of you know that's a prayer? Hello. Lord, save us! We are perishing. Now, in Mark, Mark wrote it, and Mark said, Teacher, you don't care, we perish. That's not a prayer. That's accusation. You don't care, we die. And then Luke chapter 8 wrote about the same account. And Luke wrote it, Master, Master, we are perishing. That's not a prayer. It's a describing to the Lord a situation. Hello, we are perishing. So, three accounts. Matthew, Lord, Mark, Teacher, Luke, Master. You see, the truth is, when we all go through storms, depending on where we are spiritually, it all comes out. The next question is, who is correct? all describing about the same situation. Master, we are perishing. Teacher, you don't care. Lord, save us. Who is correct? Let me assure you, all three are correct. You know why? Because in the boat, there were chore people. When the storm came, all of them cried. Each one of them cried from their own perspective. And I have a suspicion, when we try to limit it, to Mark, I believe the one who shouted out, Teacher, you don't care. That could be probably the voice of Judas Iscariot. Because his relationship with the Lord, it has always been a teacher level. You see, Judas Iscariot never see Jesus beyond a teacher. He has never, if you read the gospel, he has never addressed Jesus as Lord and Master. To him, Jesus was just a good rabbi. And the unfortunate fact is this, that in churches today, there are a lot of Christians who have this mindset too. They don't mind going to church. They don't mind subscribing to Christian teaching. They say, it's very good, very good. Good, go to church. They teach you to be good people. Go, go to church. They are very good people. They help you when you are in trouble. Go, go, go to church. They are very helpful. No more than that. Church and Christianity and Christ is just good teaching from a good teacher. And so when a storm comes and threatens them in their life, whatever they, they have on the inside will come out. Teacher, you don't care. Teacher, who is the Lord to you this morning? Is he merely a teacher? Or Matthew said, Lord, save us! So when you face a storm, is Jesus your Lord? Or in Luke's account, Master, Master, we are perishing. All three went through the same storm. 
Another thing is, storms reveal our fear. This pandemic storm has exposed the strength and the weaknesses of the church. This pandemic storm that the world faced three years ago has also revealed a lot of fears among Christians. And the sad truth is, till this day, many Christians never came back to church. Fearful. Fearful. They are fearful coming to church, but they are not fearful going to a shopping mall. They are fearful, it's a pastor, we cannot, you know, all this, you know. Do, don't you know, don't you read about it, there's a comeback, you know, the rates are very high. And then next moment, they are all shopping in Aeon Mall. Oops, where did I? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. I'm really going ahead of myself. Wait, wait, wait. How did I? I did I press all this? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Can Oh, 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 I re revealed too much already. <laughs> I'm ghost. I, I'm going back. <laughs> okay. So, storms reveal our fear. And it's very common. Because storms are something we cannot control. Storms of illness. Especially when a doctor confirms it's the big C, not big cry, big cancer. We are overwhelmed. Storm will reveal our fear. When our marriage is threatened, when our job is threatened, when our financial situation is affected, we're all shaken up. Reveals our fear. Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? But at the same time, it also reveals our faith or the lack of it. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then in Mark's account, you don't have faith. In Luke's account, where is your faith? So the Lord expects us that when we go through storm, yes, there will be fear, but at the same time, it's also an opportunity to exercise faith. There's no denying the storms are real, but where is your faith? In the last three years, where we go through economic turmoil, churches suffer. I have friends who have churches in Chennai, India, which I go almost every year, hundreds of pastors died because of this pandemic. Hundreds of churches closed down. And it's a terrible thing. Some churches in Malaysia never recovered. Why? Because the storms came, and after that, when the storm passes by, whatever they remain reveals. So, where is your faith? Where is your fear? And fear is real, let me tell you. Fear is real. Fear paralyzes you. Fear torments you. Fear makes a giant out of the situation that you are facing. So, when you decide to go over to the other side, be prepared. There will be a storm. But quickly... Let's go on to the second one. 
It's not only the storm. The moment they landed on the other side, first was a storm, then they encountered the supernatural. They were not prepared for this because these men came charging out of the cemetery. And by the way, can I also say this? Every storm will have questions. Whenever we go through storms, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? And even when we go over to the other side, there'll still be a question. Why have you come? What does it say? Why have you come? We have, what have we got to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture us. In Matthew's account, he says, What do you want with us, Son of God? And they shouted, Have you come to torture us before our appointed time? And so there will be a series of questions when you go over to the other side and you're confronted. Why have you come? So beside the storm, there is also the supernatural. You see, the disciples have never, after, of course, when they saw Jesus standing up and rebuke the storm, you read the account, they had even greater fear. Who is this that even the storms and the wave obeyed him? Before even their fear can settle down, when they reached the other shore, the supernatural came charging. A naked man with chains and fetters and long hair, violent, came charging at them. And if you are, you know, not like my golfer members, they come to a very nice setting like this, air conditioned. But if they have landed in Malacca and all these people come charging at them, they would have run back in the boat and sailed back. Charging at them. Supernatural encounter. You see, sometimes, because of our comfort zone, we, we don't like to go to the other side. Inconvenient. We, we don't know what we are facing and, and all that. You see, the other side is dangerous. Why did the Lord take us to the other side? Because, and He was the one that said, Hey, guys, let's go over to the other side. They were not told the itinerary in the program. Hello. At least I told my folks here where they're going to eat, Auntie Lee. And then after the service, where are we going? On? We told them, ready the restaurant. That's why they came. Why do you think they came? <laughs> Pastor, you think they love me? Ah? They love food more. But Jesus never told the disciples, the itinerary, uh, uh, guys, guys, uh, let me tell you, when you get into the boat, I will have my siesta time on the other side, okay? You guys, uh, by the way, there's a storm coming. Uh, and, and this storm is a very severe one. And then the moment uh, we cross over to the other side, there's a oh, very violent man waiting for you. He's going to scream his lung out and he's going to challenge our coming. No, no. The Lord never prepared them. They just went over. Suddenly, you know, can you imagine walking with Jesus? Heaven fully recovered from a storm and then you landed there, another storm coming. I tell you, if you've got a weak heart, you can't take it. You know, suddenly these men come charging naked and violent and nobody could control what have we got to do with you? But then again, you see, when we cross over to the other side, we see things that we don't see on this side. We see the authority that Jesus had. Nobody could control, but in the presence of Jesus, 
he said, what have we got to do? He asked permission. Please don't torture us. You see, before the Lord came, he was the terrorist. Nobody could come near him. He was the ketua kampung of the cemetery. You know, he walked and everywhere he go, because people were in fear of him, they tried putting him in chains and fetters. They couldn't control him. And so, you see, when society don't know how to deal with you, they put you aside. He was very much left alone until Jesus came. And the demons try, and the voices say, we are many. We are many. But in the presence of Christ, they submit. They ask permission. Lord, if we need to go, can you send us to the peaks? These guys are from Klang. <laughs> Have you heard about Bakute? <laughs> After all, they're going to kill and slaughter the pigs, right? Why waste the opportunity? No, no, that wasn't a version. <laughs> Some of you almost believe it, you know. Give me permission to go to the pigs. And we were told in Mark chapter 5, how many pigs were there? Come on. Huh? Hello. Come on, Bible reading, Christian. 2,000. You know how much is the cost of one pig today? Come on, come on, come on. Anybody have any idea how much is the cost of one pig? Sebastian, when you send a roast pig to my house, how much do you pay? Oh, you didn't pay lah, your father had paid. How much? Well, let's say, let's say estimate lah, depending on the size of the pig. One pig, 1,000. Okay? More, more than that, you see? I'm so out of touch. More than that. But let's round it up, 1,000. 2,000 pigs, how much? Hello? Any mathematician here? 1,000 times 2,000, how much? 2 million. 2 million. Now, not everybody is happy when you go over to the other side. I suspect the one who rare the pigs came from Klang. Because they were the Bakute supplier. 2,000. Jesus came on this side, complete right off, 2,000 pigs. 2 million. No wonder if you read Mark chapter 5, the whole village, depending on which version, Luke, Matthew, and Mark, you, you must go back and read, is all Luke 8, Matthew 8, and Mark 5. You go and compare. One of the versions say the whole village came out because after, not because of that man, the whole village came out because what happened to the pigs? Somebody suffered big loss. And then they came and said, please, please leave us alone. Read that, read that. Leave us alone, go back. Go back to where you come from. So not everybody is happy when Jesus comes to the other side. But if we miss this crucial one, we miss the whole story. 
in Mark chapter 5, and the demons came out, and the pigs flew off the cliff. The man in Mark chapter 5 is described in three words. He sat down. For the first time in his life, the demons left him. He had order. Secondly, he was clothed. Before that, he was naked. When the demons were in him, he didn't have dignity. He doesn't know what shame is. He doesn't know what shame is. He was go going around naked. And when the demons left, the first thing he realized, oh my, he put on clothes. And the third thing you read is, in Mark chapter 5 is, he was of sound mind. And yet, that escaped the attention of all the villagers. Here is the most prominent terrorist in their side of the town. And now completely delivered, completely healed. And yet, they look at the loss. Your Christianity is too expensive. Can we negotiate? Your Christianity is too painful. Why Jesus come, I, I must forsake all. Your Christianity demands 10%. It's very expensive. And they drove him. But you know what? The miracle is this. That man wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to follow. But you must read Mark chapter 5. He wanted to follow. You know what Jesus Lord said to him? No, guys. No. You, you go and tell your friends. Hello, are you here this morning? You tell your friends how the Lord has been good to you. How the Lord has been good. You, you tell him. You go. You tell can you imagine the 12 disciples, including Judas Iscariot, was exposed to all this? The storm, the supernatural, and then now they head back. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, my invitation to you is, let's go to the other side. The other side of things that you and I will never experience. Yeah, it may threaten you, but I tell you what, it will make your life never the same again. Storms, yeah, but you'll find Christ is above the storm. Like, like one of the songs that our brother Eddie sang, when the ocean rises, we are still because we know the captain of the storm is with us. Supernatural. You will experience supernatural. I will show you the photos of the supernatural in a short while. And then, this is where I want to bring your attention. If you read Mark chapter 5. So the man wanted to follow the Lord. The Lord said no. And then if you read Mark 5, the last verse. So he left them and went to the region of Decapolis. Ten cities. This man gloriously delivered by, uh, by the Lord from demons. And he went to Decapolis and say how much Jesus have done for him. And all the people were amazed because everybody recognized him. And so we read here, Jesus later went to Decapolis. 
And by now, everybody heard about him because of this man. So the third thing we, we uh, let, 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 let me say, the third thing I, I want to share with you is this. First, storm. Second, the supernatural. The third S is the statement. Sometimes there is no question. It's just a statement. They brought, all right, let me, let me come, come to this. So they brought to him, all right, Decapolis, and they were overwhelmed with amazement, and they declare, it's a statement, he has done everything well. In another translation, he has made all things beautiful. That was their statement. It, even they makes the deaf hear and the mute sigh. And message translation, he done it all, he done it well. What a statement. But it only happened on this side. So this case of a mute and deaf was brought to him. Now imagine the world of a deaf person. Is, is silent. He looks at you, it's silent. And then you cannot speak. How you communicate. You know, Brother Gary reminded me of a story where he used to visit his friend Herbert, you know. Herbert, when he was working in Johor Bahru, uh, those early days, about maybe 20, 30 years ago, uh, he had a deaf and a mute boy working for him as a coffee boy. Make coffee. So I think one day he was trying to communicate with Gary, how old are you? Let's say you are deaf. Huh? You are deaf and you are deaf. Everybody can hear. <laughs> you are deaf and then you are mute. How, how you say to Pastor Moses, how old are you? He just celebrated 70. Wow, praise God. How, how old are you? So I, I think Gary did demonstrate. I'm not quite uh, accurate here. He, he tried to communicate, how old are you? But our friend don't know how to sign language. So I think out of desperation, he said, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, you, you got that? Mm. Mm. So what does that mean? Ah, correct. When were you born? When were you born? And then later he make his coffee. There were a lot of ends on the table. So he asked, mm, 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 mm. You want your coffee with milk or why the ends? He still don't understand. So out of frustration, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> That means your coffee one with milk or no milk. <laughs> So, no, 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 let's come back to God. Let's come back to the Lord. So here is a deaf and a mute. But it's very interesting because if you go back and read, the Lord took him aside. Didn't want to make a spectacle out of the crowd. Took him aside. And then put his two finger into the ear. Have you seen evangelists do that when they pray for hearing? And then, you read there, right? Please read for yourself. And then, he lifted up his eyes towards heaven. 
And then he did something so unnatural. Jesus sighed. <sighs> Three times in the Bible he sighed. When the Pharisees came and demand, give us signs and wonders. Show us a sign. And then the Lord sighed. A Malaysian sigh? Come on, let, let out one sigh so that I can see your sigh. Why so long one, this picture? Everybody sigh? When your husband played too much golf, all the golf widow? When there's not enough money in the church, the pastor? When the pastor preached too long, everybody? No, I, I, I don't mind you sigh, but some of you here, you look at your watch and then, why not working? Why, why not working? Uh? Sigh. Why did the Lord sigh? I, I, I know we are supposed to be a generation of signs and wonders, you know. But unfortunately, our generation is now, we sigh and we wonder what happened. Sigh. I think it was Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa. He's saying, you white people, when you came to South Africa, you teach us to close our eyes and bow our heads and pray. He said, nowhere in the scripture he says, close your eyes and bow your head. Every time when the Lord prayed, he lifted up his eyes. The multiplication of the bread, he looked into heaven. At Lazarus' tomb, he looked into heaven, Father, I know you always hear me. And in this occasion, he lifted up his eyes into heaven and sighed. And Desmond Tutu said, you, you teach us, you come to Africa, you teach us to close our eyes and pray. And when we open our eyes, all the land is gone. Uh, when I was in Bible school, the first year, we were very spiritual. We say grace. And then we learn very quickly, Bible school is not a place to close your eyes and pray. <laughs> because in your tray of food, if there's chicken and fish, you close, thank you, Lord Jesus. You open, your chicken has gone, your fish has gone, only the white rice left. Your seniors have taken, they have taken the tight away. So from year one, all the innocent first year Bible school students, they come very spiritual. But in a short while, they learn very quickly when in Bible school, you don't close your eyes and pray. You open your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You got over, you got over your food, your, your chicken. Especially in Bible school, only one piece of chicken and fish. You open your eyes and pray. And the Lord lifted up His eyes towards heaven and say, Be open. By the way, I miss out one more. Let me go back again. He put his finger. Pastor, have you done that when you pray for people in a hearing? I, I did one. Uh, I didn't want to do it again. Because I put in a uh, wow, so wet on all the wax. <laughs> I regretted putting a... Uh, because I read this Bible, I thought, put also ma. 
And then Jesus did something which until this day, after 40 years of ministry, I still dare not do. And then, <coughs> spat. I mean, it's all in the Bible. He spat. And he said, be open. And that mark, that started, he, he could start hearing and he started speaking. Pastor, have you done that when you pray for people? Under the inspiration of Holy Spirit. I've never done that for a simple reason is if they get healed, it's okay. If they don't get healed, you believe in fivefold gift. They were, what, Pastor, what are you trying to be funny? Huh? Fivefold gift. They will give you a punch. And so, we, Jesus did all that. On which side? The other side. And when the healing is completed, there's no question. He has done everything well. They've never seen a healing where a mute and a deaf person was completely healed. Neither did the disciples. If they had remained on the other side, they would not have opportunity to see the supernatural miracle that took place. And then finally, by the way, we have to Go to this side. I got one more point. My message that I prepared is the day the manner sees. That's a message I was supposed to release on this church. But then again, I will incorporate two sermons into one. The day the manner sees. You see, manner, I'm just going to throw in for free. Manner. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the greatest miracle? I will probably get various response. What's the greatest miracle in the Bible? Some of you will say, the Red Sea parting, Lazarus raised from the dead, or the just we read the demons delivered. We will get various responses. But if I were to ask you, what's the longest miracle ever recorded in the Bible? It will be manna. 40 years. Have you ever seen a miracle for 40 years? Every day, they'll go out and they collect manna. Longest recorded miracle in the Bible. And yet, can I throw in something here? How can? Manna is what? Heaven. In Psalms, they say, they took the angel's bread. It's heaven. It, they took the angel's bread. It's from heaven. How can something be so heavenly and yet so bad for the people? Forty years they took manna. And every single day when they take manna is a reminder that they are on the wrong side of the desert. Because as long as they have this manna, they are not in the promised land. Joshua chapter 5 verse 12 said this, the day they eat the produce of the land, the manna cease. 
the day they harvest the produce of the land, the manna cease. For some of us here, you have been in manna for many years. There are some good things about manna. Number one, no domestic quarrel. Every day is manna. So husband and wife don't need to quarrel. What are we having for breakfast, dear? For lunch? Pastor Moses' birthday? Manna. No fight, no quarrel. Every day is manna. And then with manna, there is no variety. So the creative wife will say, Honey, today we have steamed manna. Tomorrow we have fried. The next day we have barbecue. And then we will try all kinds of, but it's still manna. You see, manna. And after 40 years, your taste bud. Manna simply means, what is this? What is this? What is this? After 40 years, they say, this is it. Some Christian life is, this is it. No variety. No variety. I, I was in Manila last week. I haven't gone back to my church yet you know, since I left Malaysia. The pastor treated me to a buffet, the Viking. Whew, as long as your eyes can see the buffet. I tell you, if you have been using eating manna for 40 years, then you see a buffet spread. Some Christian get possessed when they go to buffet. Your eyes roll up. You, you see them in church, you know. What, they go buffet? Oh. And then they speak spiritual language. They pile up their plate and say, they come to the table, this mountain shall be removed. <laughs> and then the next phrase, hey, Pastor, you don't know, I got bottom up speed. Well, all the spiritual language come out, why? Because the wonderful thing about buffet is what? Come on. Variety. Japanese corner, pastry, grilled lamb, mutton, Asian corner, you name it. And this is where, you know, normally when we sit down, those husbands who want to, to be served, they'll ask their wife, take for me. Even the dish is right in front. But when it comes to buffet, they won't tell your wife, you take for me. It's, it's okay, I go. Why? They want to pick and choose what they want. And they go round and round. They go round and round. Why? Because buffet is variety. So can you imagine the manna generation? Very stale and... What, what, what do you want no more? How are you? Like that lah. How are you today? You want someone to ask question? You see, the manna generation, every day when they eat manna, wrong side of the desert. And manna, no saving. Because you know why? The manna generation have no saving. Some Christians have no saving. They live day from day, day by day. Why? Because God said, you collect in the morning and don't try to keep it because by evening it will turn maggot. 
So they collect sufficient for the day, they cannot put it in the fridge. And then they have to repeat the process the next day. And that kind of a lifestyle, no saving. So for 40 years, they went in circle, no saving. With clothes on their back, that's about it. Christians, this morning, are you from the men of generation? And after so many years serving the Lord, you don't have saving. Your credit cards is maxed out. You pay the minimum 5%. I've, I've lived there in my early years of ministry. I know the pain and the agony. You quickly pay the 5%. Pay the 5%. No saving. You just live day by day. The men and generation, no saving. But you know what again? Men and generation got no diligence. They don't need any initiative. They don't need to think how. But you see, the day, the day the manna sees, they were on that side. Oh, they saw the sweet corn. They, they tasted the dates and the honey. How many of you have been to the Holy Land? Wow, the dates, the honey. The, they eat the produce of the land. The manna, heaven stopped. Heaven stopped. And then one more thing I'd like to add to this. I'm preaching two sermons in one. After all, I only come once in 10 years. <laughs> Another thing about manna is this. You can't worship God with manna. It came from God anyway. But you know, when they cross over to the other side, the first fruit of the crops, the first ten, Whatever the Lord has blessed them, they tithe. Why? They give back to God. Because it's, it's an acknowledgement that God has blessed me. Now, God, I give back to you. But with manna, you cannot say, God, manna today. God say, hello, that, that's mine. La. That's mine. But when you work the land, and then when you build barns and you keep it, you see, the saving started on this side. They can build storehouse and keep. That, they, that, this side, they live day by day. But on this side, they work. And the more they work, they see God's blessing. And they offer sacrifices to God. This side, no worship. And thank God, thank God, the manna sees. Thank God, the wine ran out. John chapter 2 in Cana. Because as long as the wine didn't run out, Jesus couldn't come in and do his first miracle. Thank God, the brook at chariot dried up. And then the word of the Lord came to the prophet and he says, Arise, I'm going to send you to the widow of Seraphat. You see, as long as the prophet had the stream supplying and the raven bringing in food, he will remain. But the day came where the brook dried up and the word of the Lord said, It's time for the next season. 
There's a widow that needs a miracle. You move over. And I thank God there will come a day for some of us here, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The prophet Isaiah was so comfortable, Isaiah chapter 6, he didn't have any vision because his eyes was beholden to the earthly king which was related to him. Everything was comfortable. But Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 say, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw another king. The king of kings, seated high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. And then he began to hear voices. Whom shall I send? He said, Hear my Lord, send me. But on this side, he couldn't hear anything because the earthly king, some of us are beholden to the earthly king. Your saving, your security, your comfort, nothing happens on this side as long as this king doesn't die. You won't see the true king of kings. Thank God that Goliath showed up for 40 days challenging the army, cursing the army of Israel. Goliath! And they were terrified. But I thank God because when Goliath showed up, David also showed up. You see, there are giants in our land. There are situations in our life where one day, everything stopped. And you wonder, God, what happened? Huh? Or when the storm hits you, Oi, Lord, you don't care. Or a sickness came upon you and you said, Whoa! But in all these instances, something happened before God can lead you to the next season. Someone say amen. Something must happen. If you want the manna to stop, then you shouldn't remain on this side of the desert. You're not in the promised land. You see, God's mercy is not God's will. Sometimes, you know, when you hear people talk, especially Christian, they testify, oh, God is so good. And, and actually, they are talking and declaring about God's mercy. It's never God's will. They talk about, oh, the manna. God provided 40 years, you know, manna. 40 years, you know. It's God's mercy. God, in His mercy, gave you manna. It's never God's will. God's will is you crawl to the other side. You enjoy the honey, the crops, the corns, and everything you grow a hundredfold. That is God's will. And here you are pride. You are happy with manna. No saving, no variety, nothing. And some Christians are like that. You look at them, there's nothing happening. And may I add, you may not like it. Some churches are also like that. You sit on their seat, they get offended. That's why when first, say, whose seat is this? I didn't want to offend anybody because some churches, everything is so structured, you know. Oh, why are you sitting my seat? No manna. But the day, the wine ran out. Of course, there was panic in the wedding banquet. But then again, mother of Jesus said, tell him. 
tell him. And they were the one that initiated Jesus' first miracle. But something has to give way. Something has to give way in our life before God can do something else in your life. Some of us are holding on too tight. That security blanket, too tight. And you don't want to exchange. Actually, God said, you know, hand it to me and I, I will give you something beautiful. No, no, God, you know, I've been having this for so many years. Hand that relationship to me and I give you a better one. No, God. Hand your family to me, I'll take care of you. Oh, no, no. God, I've cared for this so many years and we're not willing to exchange it. The wine must run out. The brook must dry up. The king in your life must die if you want to see a vision. The manna stops on that day they were in the promised land. Are you on that side or are you on this side? I don't have time to continue the fourth one. But I just want to share with you the journey of going over to the other side. Now, this is the church that my wife and I pastored when we fresh from Bible College in 1983-82. We went to this church, Kotobaro, Klantan. We were there for six years, did everything we could, and then we received a call to go back to Slangor to be associate pastor because the Klang church had some crises. There was a division. And so the pastor said, Ellen, come back. So we left the church. But before we left the church, this church was running over 100 old people. Now in East Coast, Malaysia, a church of 100 old people is mega church. Especially in Kotabaru, you know, 85% are more Muslim. What do you expect? Or Tungano or Kwantan. What do you expect? And so we left the church full of students, teachers, trainee, doctors, and we left and never looked back. And then, in the year 2004, we left in 1888-89, and that was behind us. But in 2004, we received a call asking us to go back because the church is on the verge of closing down. We left it with 100 people, and then uh, we went back. It was less than 20 people. And even with the 20 people, there were four divisions, four camps. And three police reports. So my wife released me to go and check it out. The council was deciding whether to close or not to close. I went. And we turned the church around. I told the leadership I'll be here for three months. Then three months extended to six months. And then six months, now 18 years. Because the Friday is the service on Friday. So I'm still the pastor of that church. But I thank God I went over to the other side because I go somewhere on Thursday, I fly in from Subang, and then evening I'll fly back the next day, Friday evening, for my Sunday service here. We turned the church around. And over the last 18 years, we have seen hundreds and hundreds of doctors, nurses pass through the door of the church. This year, we bought over the whole building. 
Now, the church owns the whole thing. 40 feet by 80 feet. Five-story with a mezzanine floor. They have since repainted it. A, a clinic has rented the place. And up the, the top floor and the third floor is the Bahasa Church Faith Sanctuary. Sarawakians and Sabahan. All these came about because the Lord said, you go to the other side. So we went in obedience. So this is part of the congregation that we have on a Friday morning. Most of these people are all doctors. All right. She is serving as an ONG specialist in Sandakan Hospital. She's an anesthetist in Sandakan Hospital. These are all top people. We have seen hundreds and hundreds of doctors. And one of them is very special to Robert Chong. Why? Because his future son-in-law comes from that church. A very good man, Dr. Patrick, is a family specialist uh, based now in Puchong, attending our church in Klang. Praise the Lord. Now, in 1996, the manner in my life stopped. I was having it good as an associate pastor. After I, I told you in 1980, I went back to a big church. I was a second man in that church. I was a wow. I told my wife we can retire here, man. It's a big church. So we were serving for nine years, and then one day we look up, hey, why no more men? Ah? Then we decided it's time to move. The brook dried up. Everything stopped. And we decided that we have to start all over again in 1996. But we thank the Lord because we thank God the manna stopped. Because if the manna didn't stop, we wouldn't have bought up this whole building of one acre, five-story building in 1996. And today, we have a multiple language. We have over a thousand members. We started, my brother is here, we started with seven families in a house, 20 old people. And today, this is our congregation, and this is our youth. This is our kindergarten. When we embark on this building, we realize how can we make the church visible? And we know, my wife and I, we came from mission school. We realized the only way to bridge the one over 1.5 million people in Klang is through education. And we have the facility, each floor is 20,000 square feet. We say, let's do a kindergarten. And since we started, thousands have graduated from our kindergarten. And you find, you know, this is your graduation service. Hallelujah. And little hours and daycare. Today, we have 200, almost 300 in our kindergarten plus another 150 in our daycare. And then from there, you see these are all wonderful children. Wonderful. They pay so that you can teach them gospel. What a deal. Hello. Any businessman here? All right. You know, and, 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 and then subsequently, we decided we were following the American program, all right, the AOP homeschooling program. 
Then as the years gets by, we realize that the American program is, is no more suitable. Many of the colleges don't accept American program. And so we embark on IGCSE, Cambridge O-Level, Form 5. Thank God, thank God, last month, the Ministry of Education approved our license for international school. Hallelujah. And the wonderful thing is, one of my board members pointed out, Pastor, it's his. H-I-S. Harvest International School. These are all, by the way, these are all the teachers. We have 30 over teachers from primary one to grade 11. And this is the principal, is a professor. Professor, I told her to come in to be my principal. This is Professor Emeritus. If you are from UKM, you will know this lady, Professor Tam Siu Yen. Professor Emeritus. She's also in my school board. Recently, the Ministry of Finance appointed her to be in the council for MITI. A very humble lady. And these are all my board members in the international school. We praise the Lord. You see, I thank God manner ceased on that site, 1996. Otherwise, I wouldn't have experienced all this. Look at the smiling faces of their graduation. All right. All right, this is our church, actually, all right? And, and this is some of the classes that we have. We just spent 1.5 million renovating our two floors to, uh, to comply with the requirement of international school with science lab, you know, computer lab, library, and everything. And this is the chapel service, all right? 80 over percent of the students that come to our church are non-Christian. Every Thursday, the parents know they have a letter approving that they attend chapel services. So we share with them. Many of our youth eventually came to our youth service, the secondary, and then this is the primary level, you know, in another hall. So we have hundreds and hundreds from Monday to Friday, six to 700 students come to the vicinity of the church. We touch them. We communicate the gospel with them. And then... Five or six years ago, when we were 20 years old, we decided, God, what else can we touch a community? And then the Lord impressed our brother Chai Wat is here. He's also in the board. And, 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 and we decided to buy up this building and make it the home, a caring home for the age. And since we started our, I think this we're entering our six, seven year, uh, we have a capacity of 36 or 37. All right? We even install a lift there. And you can see that these are the old people. They send, they pay. They pay for us to care for them. And since about six, seven years ago, every month we have a conversion. I think close to 35 of them have given their life to the Lord before they go and meet their maker. How much premium would you put on one soul? All right. And so my, my daughter said, Dad, Wow, harvest ministry is from the cradle to the grave. And rightly so. We are supposed to be the light of the world. A light that is put on the hill cannot be hidden. And so we thank the Lord for this opportunity. You know, you can see that the home when they are out in a compound. All this came about, my friend, 
I'm not just sharing because it has happened in my life, because my wife and I decided to go to the other side. Maybe there are some of you here, you're too comfortable where you are. Manner is still dropping. There's a hymn that said, Mercy drops are dropping. Mercy drops are still dropping. There shall be showers of blessing, but you are, you are quite happy with mercy drops. Thank you, Lord. Showers of rain are waiting for those who are willing to say, come over to this side. And if you are here this morning, you feel challenged, I must close now. Feel challenged. God, all these years, manna, manna. That's God's mercy, that's not God's will. God in His mercy provided manna. Because in the desert, there was no food. Don't mistook it for God's will. The Lord is saying, come on, man. I got greater things. Some of you haven't taken a plunge, the step of faith. You're too comfortable. You're afraid. Pastor, if I take this step, will there be storm? Yeah, there will be storm. Pastor, what about the supernatural? Yeah, there will be people that will threaten you. But you, you know, you know that when you are in Christ, nothing shall stand in your way. And I pray that this morning in our short sharing, I spur you and encourage you to take that step. Sometimes the other side is not a geographical location, can I say. The other side, is here. Someone said the longest distance some of you will take is 18 inches from here to here. From your head to your heart. From a hearer to a doer. From, you know, knowledge to revelation. And some of us never done a heart bypass. I know, spiritual one. I'm not telling you. You need a heart bypass. Because all you have all these years is hate knowledge. All these years, all you know is up here. But I tell you, when you make the shift to here, I tell you, you have gone over to the other side. Your other side may be your neighbor sitting across the other side. I've been in long enough in a church to know offenses and misunderstanding takes place everywhere in every church. Sometimes you see the other brother, you go and sit the other side. That's the only time you go the other side. <laughs> no. Sometimes your other side is your neighbor. You don't have a very good relationship with your neighbor. And the Lord says, go over to the other side and make peace. Sometimes the other side is the one sitting next to you right now. Don't look, don't look, don't look. You've got to bring healing and restoration. It's not a geographical location. But when you begin to say, Lord, help me, I will go over to the other side. And I thank the Lord, like Kotobaru, all this ministry. And we are very humble. I said, Lord, 
Had we had remained in our comfort zone, we wouldn't accomplish all this. Wouldn't have seen all this. We, the Lord would have probably said, mm, okay, let's continue now. But the manna ceased. The book dried up. The wine ran out. Then Jesus came in. Hallelujah. So for you here this morning, something has to give way. Something has to give way. Sometimes, you know, this pandemic shaken a lot of things to the core. We, we were very blurred also when the pandemic happened. We don't even have a YouTube account. When the government announced total lockdown, we quickly go and buy camera. And, and my wife would tell you, I started recording messages, three messages. In that time, we were also walking in the dark. Don't know what the future, how long the lockdown is. Don't even have a YouTube account. But you know what? With God with us, we can go over to the other side. Today, from zero subscriber, we have 1.73, 1,730 subscriber in our YouTube account. Our income during pandemic, we found out that our YouTube reach reaches far and wide. We have people who have gone overseas and outstation, and then when we started the YouTube, we didn't even know. Hey, we can send it to them. So we send it to them, we send it to them. And that's why our subscribers keep increasing, and then they call it, Pastor, so good to hear from, you know, Auckland. So good to hear from Seattle. So good to hear, and they're all over Singapore. And not only that, hallelujah, they send in their tithes. In the first year of our pandemic, our income increased 25% instead of drop. Why? Because our reach is wider now. No longer limited to the physical church. Hallelujah. That which the devil wants to dampen and destroy you, God make it stronger. Hallelujah. The enemy may want to destroy you, but if you got God, you say to God, I will survive with Christ in us. So this morning, let me just leave these words with you. The next time I come back will be 10 years' time. Just trying to hint to be invited again. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, Pastor Moses was just joking. Uh. He, he said I joke too much. Uh, but seriously, what is on your other side? Some people are so afraid to commit. Some people are so afraid to get into a relationship. So afraid to trust people. So afraid. And that has held you back. And God is saying, come. Come like Nathaniel. Come and see. Who? Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah. Come and see. You will see. Let's pray. Amen. 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 Lord, as I bring this sharing to a close, I pray for those young and old who are out here and those who are at home. 
listening in, that your spirit will stir their heart. Lord, we have been having manna for too long. Lord, we have been having manna. And every day we have this manna, we are still on the wrong side of the desert. We pray that this morning you will nurture us. You'll make us arise in our spirit. Lord, from the head to the heart, Lord, from the heart to our hands, that we will do the works of Christ. So this morning I pray. Before I pray, I just, I'm not so sure about the altar call here. But just sitting where you are, if you feel that the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning, just lift up your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I want to pray for you. If the Lord is saying something to you, challenging something, stirring something in your heart, can you just lift up your hands where you are so that I can pray for you? Yeah, leave it up. Unashamedly. Yeah, I see hands. I see hands right at the back. If the Lord is saying something to you, all right, about the next course of action, I see hands right at the back. All right, as an indication that you, you are responding to the Word of God. You are saying, God, I hear what you are saying to me this morning. I want to respond. I want to come out from my comfort zone. I want to, you know, take heed of what you are saying in the Spirit. Lord, you see these hands that are lifted up to you. I pray, Lord, that you will challenge them in the days and in the weeks to come, that they will, Lord, experience you through the storm, through supernatural, through everything that you put them through, that at the end of the day, the day they'll be able to say, thank God you make all things beautiful. You have done all things well because our trust is in you, not in anything else. And so we pray that, Lord, the next couple of weeks and months ahead, you will speak into their heart, give them strength to accomplish greater things for you, and not just sit on this side and watch the world goes by. Lord, to stir our heart to for greater things, we pray. And so, Lord, take them by the hand, we ask, Spirit of God. Lead them through. Lord, whether it is a storm or to seasons and episodes of supernatural, we pray that they will come through and over to the other side, looking back, and they will say, Thank you, Jesus, for holding my hand. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Amen. Now, that is an act of charity. Thank you very much, Pastor Ellen. The Lord bless you. I trust that uh, you'll continue the fellowship upstairs and God bless you. Amen.